I just want to share a little bit with you about what I'm believing for this next season of our church and what I'm believing uh, in this next season for you, for your hearts, for your family's hearts, and for the people in our communities that don't know Jesus yet, for the people in our communities that have no idea there is a God that is love. And so tonight, for just a few moments, I just wanna let you in into a dangerous space, my mind um, and my heart, and let you know what I'm believing and what we are believing here at Woodstock City as to what is next in this next season of ministry. Uh, there's this kind of this idea been ringing around in my head um, since we kind of put this down on the calendar and started dreaming about what this night could be and what we wanted to communicate and what uh, it could be about. And it's really, really simple. And this is what I wanna talk about for the next few minutes. New start, same heart. New start, same heart. New start, same heart. Um, we are in a season, our church is in a season of a new start, right? I mean, I just stepped into this role as lead pastor five weeks ago or something like that. So that's a, a new start for our staff and for the life of our church. It honestly feels like after the past year and a half, our church coming into this new ministry season in, in August, it kind of feels like a, a new start out of the, 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 the craziness that was, everything that was 2020 and even 2021, it kind of feels like, hey, we're entering into a new start. Um, new starts are all around us. I mean, some of you guys are experiencing new starts. Um, I, I love all the kids that I'm seeing and the students in here. I feel like I see some elementary age kids. Any elementary age kids started a new grade this year? Yeah, Evie, what grade did you start? Third grade. That's a new start right there. Third grade is going to be a great year for you. What, what year did you start? Well, you got a new, what did you do? First grade. That's big time. First grade. I remember it. Miss Ramsey, I loved her. What's your teacher's name? Miss what? Miss Diamond. Ooh, okay. <laughs> some of you guys started new jobs. Um, some of you are entering into a brand new season. For some of you, actually, more than anything, you're hoping this is going to be a new start because maybe more than ever before, you've wanted a new start. You've been looking forward to a new start because... The past year and a half has just been difficult and you'll take anything new. And, and new starts, right? That new comes with a lot of emotion. Um, sometimes it's a little bit scary. You know, I'm sure Ms. Diamond is awesome, but maybe you were a little bit nervous the first day of class in first grade, right? And now you're killing it, I'm sure. But with new, there's a lot of unknown and sometimes the emotions are nerves if you started something new or you're entering into something new. Um, January 1st, it's coming quickly, and that's the due date of baby number three for me and my family. Yep. Um, I'm honestly, because it's the third, I'm not even nervous. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, oh, here we go again, you know? But it's still unknown, and, and isn't this so interesting? For those of you, um, for those of you that have kids, it's almost like every, every, every time you add one, it's like you're kind of, a season now is passing, and you're kind of mourning when it was just one and you're, for a lot of reasons, uh, but then you're, you're mourning now that it's just two, and, and seasons change, right? And so there's unknown ahead of us whenever there's new, but isn't it so true that with new, there's also excitement? And oftentimes with a new start, it can be very refreshing. Oftentimes with a new start, what could be ahead of us is brand new opportunity. Oftentimes with a new start, 
there's just, you can't really describe it, but momentum that you feel as you enter into this new start. And so maybe you're in a season where um, you're looking for a new start. Maybe you're in a season where you're hoping for a new start, believing for a new start. Can I just tell you, I'm in a season now where I'm believing in a new start for the life of this church and for you who make it up and for the people that aren't here yet. And the good news for you and for me is that we serve a God and we sing about a God who is in the business of new starts. God is in the business of new things. You remember what the Apostle Paul um, said that whenever you put your faith in Jesus, what did he say? He said, you are a new creation. Not like updated, you know, like the new iOS. Sorry, Android, I don't know what y'all call it. Um, not, not like just a, a little bit better, not like a newer model. No, no, like completely brand new, Paul says, that when Jesus gets done taking you from death to life, the only way to describe what happened is that you are a new creation because God is in the business of new. God is in the business of taking what was broken and making it new. God is in the business of redemption. God is in the business of writing stories of reconciliation. God is in the business of new. But kind of my mind most recently has been opened up to the bigness of God in the sense that God doesn't just make new things out of broken things. God also brings new things out of amazing things. And let me, let me share with you what I mean. Um, Isaiah, we're gonna look at it really quick, so I'm just gonna read it. Isaiah chapter 43, um, the prophet uh, is, Isaiah, he's, he's getting this word from God and what he's about to describe before I read it, um, Isaiah is about to um, describe for us the Exodus. When God, the song we just sang, deliver, when God delivered the people of Israel out of slavery, out of Egypt, and, he, and it was a, just in dramatic fashion. They crossed the Red Sea. God split the Red Sea and he saved them. And it was this miraculous thing, this unbelievable display of God's faithfulness. And so Isaiah is recounting this and then he gets a word from God. And I find this fascinating and so life-giving. Just listen to these words. Isaiah 43, verse 16. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, Pharaoh's army. You've probably seen the Prince of Egypt. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. So here Isaiah is saying, remember this unbelievable thing that God did, this crazy display of his faithfulness. And then this is what the Lord told Isaiah. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Right there in verse 18 and 19. I find that fascinating. He's talking about his faithfulness and he's talking about this unbelievable thing that happened when he delivered Israel out of Egypt. But then he says, but I want you to forget the past. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. What is God saying? Is he saying that in those moments we need to just kind of forget about the faithfulness and the things that he's done in the past? No, no, that's not what he's saying. We need to be grateful for the faithfulness of God in our past. But what God is saying here is do not 
be so enthralled by what God did in the past that you start to believe he's done with you. Do not be so blown away by his faithfulness in the past that you think God's got nothing left in the tank for your future. Do not dwell on the past to such a degree that you start to think that God is done with you. Because what I believe God wants to tell you and this church is I'm going to do a new thing. And can I just be real and honest and vulnerable for just a second? Like I get to step into this role and in some ways I kind of feel like I inherited dad's Porsche. My dad doesn't have one. And so if I'm being perfectly honest with you, there's this, when I first started, as I started dreaming about this job, was I excited? Yes, but there was this part of me that's like, man, but God's done an incredible work at Woodstock City. I mean, for those of you that have been here even before this building, look, look where we've come and look what he's done. And I start thinking, man, well, what is next? And it was like God in the most kindest way slapping me upside the head and say, don't look at what I have done and think that means I'm not gonna do anything else because I'm not done yet. And I'm not done with you yet. Samer. I'm not done with Woodstock City yet. I'm not done with this community yet. I'm not done with the hearts of the people that call this place home. And I'm not done with the people that aren't here yet. I am doing a new thing. And so I believe with all of my heart that the best days of this church are ahead of it. Why? Because the God who is in the business of new things is behind it. And there is a God that wants to do a new thing, write new stories, bring new people, break new ground, bring new hope, bring new change, bring new redemption, and birth new dreams. And maybe that's for you. Maybe tonight you need to be reminded of the fact that God's not done with you. No, no, in fact, his path faithfulness doesn't mean that he's just wasted it all. No, 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 it should be a reminder that he's got something left. I remember the first time I went on an all-inclusive vacation to Mexico. It was my honeymoon. It was unbelievable. It changed my life forever. It ruined me. It ruined me. I could never go on another vacation again unless it was all inclusive. And I work at a church. I can confidently say it doesn't get any better. And that's okay. But that's not how God operates. That's not how he operates. That there is always new. And as we look at what he has done, let that be a barometer that he is bigger than we thought he was and we're believing that that bigness isn't done yet. So I'm excited for this new start because God is behind it. New start, but same heart. New start, same heart. What is the heart of this church what do I want the heartbeat of this church to be? I actually don't think this is changing anything. This is who we have always been. What is the heartbeat of this church? The heartbeat of this church, quite simply, 
is the heartbeat of Jesus. What is the heart of Woodstock City? It is the heart of Jesus. So then the question is, well, what is the heart of Jesus? I'm glad you asked, because I got a few more minutes to answer the question that Jesus actually tells us about his heart. There's actually one spot in the New Testament. There's only one spot in the New Testament, specifically in the Gospels, where Jesus explicitly tells us about his heart. And whenever you open up the pages of the scriptures and and you read about the heart, it's always just kind of an all-encompassing descriptor of who that person is. It's not just an organ they're describing. When, When somebody describes the heart, they're describing, this is who I am in totality. This is who I am. So here in these verses, Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, he's not just gonna talk about his heart in like just kind of a sweet emotional way. He's about to tell us who he is. The heart, the all-encompassing nature of who you are and who he is. And so Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, you've heard these verses before, I'm sure. But he says this in Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 28. And you can just listen. I'm gonna throw up just a portion of this on the screen. He says, come to me. It's an invitation. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. All of you that are weary and burdened. Anyone weary, burdened, broken down, carrying weight that you are not meant to carry, burdened by the stress and the worry and the unknown, we could go around the entire room and everyone would probably answer So he says, come to me, all of you that cannot on your own, come to me and I will give you rest. Not just a physical rest, like a soul rest. Like the kind of rest, you know, when you still get 10 hours of sleep and you still feel tired because it's more than just physical. It's spiritual, it's mental. Your soul is getting tired and he wants to restore what's depleted after we're carrying around these burdens. So he says, come to me and I will give you rest. Verse 29, watch this. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Right there, that's the one spot in the New Testament he specifically tells us about his heart. For I am gentle and humble, or lowly, excuse me. Gentle and lowly in heart. Your translation might say humble, but they're actually the same word. I'll get to that in just a second. I am gentle. What does that mean for Jesus to be gentle? This is so good because what I love about these two words is oftentimes when we think of Jesus, we think of Jesus as God because he was God, but we forget about the humanity of Jesus and the tenderness of Jesus. It's kind of like how it's hard to, communicate something, how your tone can be off in an email. Maybe you sent your wife a text and you meant nothing by it and you were in trouble before you got home because the tone was just off. You know what I mean? But it's just hard to communicate tone via words in a a text. And I think sometimes it's hard for us to fully grasp the tone of the heart of Jesus. But these two words paint a beautiful picture. He said, I am gentle. By gentle, he's saying, I am not harsh. By gentle, he's saying, I am not easily frustrated. By gentle, he's saying, I am not low on patience. I don't know about you, but oftentimes I think Jesus looks down and he's like, man, did you do it again? You know? Like you're a professional Christian, Sam. Get it together. 
I just think the patience has run out and the grace has run out, but it hasn't. No, 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 no. It's endless. That for Jesus to be gentle, meaning his understanding is endless. His compassion is endless. And ultimately, when Jesus said, I am gentle in heart, here's what he was saying. I'm no longer gonna point the finger of religion. I'm gonna open up my arms in the name of relationship. I'm not gonna point to the finger in the name of legalism and point you to religion. No, no, I wanna open up my arms and I wanna bring you into relationship. I am gentle. I'm not rough around the edges. I'm not that person at Six Flags that told your kid they're not tall enough to ride. No, 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 I'm gentle in heart. And then he said, I am lowly. Or humble. That word lowly, this is a cool word, um, and, and my translation said humble, but the idea of humility that Jesus came down from a high place to meet us where we are. He came down. He made himself accessible. And that's what this word means. That Jesus said, um, I am accessible to you, I am available to you, that Jesus in all of his grandeur, in all of his holiness, in all of his godness, because he was fully God, in all of that, he had every reason to separate himself from lowly humanity, yet he made himself available. He makes himself accessible to you and to me today and forever, that when you open up the pages of the gospels, man, there's nobody more approachable than Jesus. Literally, um, people that were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. I don't even like some people that like me. But there was nobody like Jesus. And people that were nothing like him, the ones that were outcasted, the ones that did not belong, could not get enough of Jesus. His heart, gentle and lowly, if I could sum it up, it's that Jesus was welcoming, that Jesus was caring, that Jesus was understanding, that Jesus is available, that Jesus is accessible, and watch this, to anyone and everyone. That's the heart of Jesus. Can I just tell you that if that's the heart of Jesus, that will be the heart of this church. That if that's the heart of Jesus, that will be the heart of this church. That we're gonna prioritize people over programs. We're gonna prioritize love over legalism. We're gonna prioritize relationships over religion because that was the heart of Jesus. We're gonna see people and we're gonna meet them where they are because that's what Jesus And so for anybody in our communities looking for new, looking for hope, looking for peace, looking for life, let me just tell you, I hope that they get to a point where they realize they don't have to look any further than Woodstock City because all they see is Jesus. And maybe you're in the room tonight and you need a new start and you need some hope and you need some peace and you need to experience and step into the fullness of life that Jesus came to give you. Can I just tell you, I hope you have to look no further than this place. Why? Because all you see is Jesus. 
Jesus, gentle, lowly, available, accessible. It's the heart of Jesus and it has to be the heart of this church. However, can I just challenge us for just a moment? That will never be the heart of this church if it is not the heart of the people that make up this church. You and me. That it will never be the heart It'll never be seen. Woodstock City will just be a building if it isn't the heart of you and me. That for this place to represent the heart of Jesus, it means the people that make up the Big C Church have to represent Jesus well. Could you imagine? Could you imagine people in our communities your neighbors, someone in your family, the person you've been trying to get to church, the person that you work with, could you imagine people believing that no matter who they are, no matter what they've been through, no matter what they've done, no matter what they're struggling with, no matter what their story is, no matter what their sin is, no matter what their circumstances, could you imagine them finding hope in life and peace and forgiveness and grace? than who Jesus is. And could you imagine if you were the one that pointed them to Jesus? Could you imagine if you reflected gentle and lowly and they knew that they could find that here because this place represented Jesus? The world, especially today, maybe in a time like never before or at least in a time in recent memory, needs the gentle and lowliness and humility of Jesus. So let it be us that shows them. Welcoming, caring, understanding, available, accessible, and loving. If you've wanted to give to this church and you're not sure what you're giving to, can I just tell you that's what you're gonna be giving to. A place and a building and a people that are gonna point people to the gentleness and the lowliness and the love of Jesus. If you serve at this church or if you've ever been thinking about serving at this church, that's what you're gonna be a part of. And can I just tell you, that's why I think you should give to this church and that's why I think you should serve at this church because it's bigger than this church because we get to point people and we get to represent the very heart of Jesus. So that's where we're going and that is who we are going to be. However, it is up to us and you and me. So what might it look like if the collective hearts and souls in this room and it was like, okay, new start, but same heart. New start, okay, same heart. What do I want you to do very simply? If that's the heart of Jesus, and if that should be our heart as well, here's, here's what I hope happens when we leave here tonight. I hope you don't just leave here and like, oh man, that was so cool. Like, oh my God, the music was amazing. That's awesome. I hope that's true. And I hope you're blown away by the production and all of that. We have incredible teams, but, but here's the heart of everybody. What I want is new start, same heart. Here's what I want. I want that heart to beat when we leave here tonight. Your heart, I'm not a cardiologist, my brother is, so I do have some authority in the matter. <laughs> um, the heart is a muscle, and when it beats, 
blood goes out. When it beats, literally life flows through our veins. Heartbeat is a sign of life. The heart is there, but the heartbeat is a sign of life. When the heart beats, life goes out. So if that is the heart of Jesus and that's gonna be the heart of this church, I wanna challenge you, what might it look like to make sure that heart beats? Let's let that heart beat because as that heart beats, as we look for opportunities to love, as we look for opportunities to be available, as we represent the accessibility and the grace and the understanding of Jesus, as that heart beats, life will go out. Communities and neighborhoods and families and your friends and even your kids and your coworkers will be changed forever. If that's the heart, then let's make sure that heart beats. And as it does, life flows and people find it because of Jesus. I'll leave you with this thought. Great love should flow through you as a response to greater love that came for you. That great love should flow through you and me. That the heart should beat for what the heart of Jesus beats for, which is those that are far from God. Great love should flow through you and me. Why? As a response to greater love that came for us. So let that be true. Let great love flow through us in this new season, in this new start, as we carry on this same heart. Let great love flow through us as a response to greater love that came for us.